That's why baseball's just got to keep going no matter what's going on. Wouldn't have his best game, and um, but he got a chance to, to win the game. Just focus on having a good at bat and forgetting about what happened. Something good happened. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. this Rudy Gobert train. I like it a lot. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. I like that the Wolves are doing something aggressive and they're making a play for it. And selfishly, as a sports radio host, I love the topic because I absolutely love, I love taking one sports thing and applying it to another. Like that's the best. When the Packers do something and we can make it into a Brewers topic, or the Bucks do something and we can make it into a Vikings topic. That's that is the gold zone. That is like the Mario Kart Infinity Star. When I'm hosting a show and I get to do that, that is the best. When you can tie multiple teams together and involve multiple fan bases, that is the ticket. Yes. So if you're just joining the show, we've been talking about the Rudy Gobert trade, and I played you a clip of John Krasinski, who covers the Wolves for the Athletic. And he said in a podcast this weekend said something that I hadn't thought about. Yeah, maybe the Rudy Gobert trade doesn't end in a title, and maybe it's not the best move long-term for the franchise. I also don't think it's the worst possible move, right? But maybe it's it's not the sharpest possible long-term move, but you got you to gotta understand, this team has been horrendous for 30 years, right? They have an opportunity to get a very good player that fills a need for them, that makes them better and stabilizes things for the next couple of years. You're going to take that. The Wolves are going to take that. Maybe the Warriors wouldn't. I mean, maybe the Miami Heat wouldn't, but the Wolves are a little different. And I said, basically, the Wolves are in that 1%, 2% of of sports franchises that just operate a different way. The Kings are doing it right now. And I argue that the Brewers should do it, too. Brewers, you haven't been to a World Series in, what, 40 years now? You've never won a title. It's time to start acting a little differently. Maybe the Brewers could learn something from the Wolves. Or maybe not. But it's certainly a fun way to think about this trade and apply it to some of our other teams. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. 608-796-2558 is the number to call or text if you'd like. I'm on Twitter as well, at Wisco Grant. Daryl, I apologize. I know you've been trying to call. I just, I I finally have a minute. What's going on, Daryl? Okay. A number of things have come up as far as it goes. Uh, First of all, I think Utah is uh, dismantling what they have. Um, So getting Gobert for for, uh, the Timberwolves was probably one of the, uh, the Timberwolves, I think, got suckered. And the reason I say they got suckered, suckered is because I think, I think Utah is going to, is trying to rebuild. Yeah. I honestly do. We got, uh, for example, Ingles came out of, came out of there too. And I hate to say this, the Bucks got him. So as far as it goes, I think they're trying to dump what they can, work around the fact that they're going to have to take a few years to rebuild. They're going to use Minnesota's, uh, wonderful draft picks along with their own and whatever else they can do, deal, wheel and deal yeah. and do a Danny, do a Danny Ainge job trying to what he did with the Boston Celtics as far as I'm concerned and what they've been trying to do. So as far as I'm concerned, that's the gist of that. As far as that goes, I don't think the Timberwolves are going to do much as far as it goes. They don't scare me at all. Now going into further details, we're talking about the Brewers. The three catcher thing is going to be interesting because obviously one of them is not going to be there when they make the playoffs. So they're going to have to keep both 
Nervias and uh, Caratini on the roster as far as it goes. But after what I saw the other night against uh, the other afternoon against the Cubs and misplaying out in the outfield by Davis, <laughs> yeah, that, that ricochet ball, yeah, that tells me two things. Number one, Andrew McCutcheon is Andrew McCutcheon is partially responsible for that play because he did not make any effort to go out to right out there to help him cut that off. I, I agree. That should have been a triple. Should have been a triple, no worse. And as a result, uh, Davis is going to wind up going down to the minors once Tyrone Taylor comes back. And and I think they have to make another move once um, Hunter Renfro comes back. Yeah. Okay. And that's going to be a key move. That's going to be a key move on this roster. Now, hang on. Here's the reason I say this. Oh, good. Yep. The reason I say this is because if they're going to keep three catchers and only able to keep uh, and one of them is going to have to go once they get in the playoffs as far as it goes, mm-hmm. the key move in this matter is, okay, you're going to have to send somebody down that can still stay in triple in A. That would be, to me, Hira. If you've got one option left, you send him down. Okay? Yeah. And the reason you do that is because then he's able to come up on the roster when you need him. The only other move you can make, and honestly, I would really still, nobody, you, you've said this before, that you don't think that uh, the Pittsburgh center fielder is worth much as far as our, Brian Reynolds. Our, we, we, yeah. we'd have to spend, Brian Reynolds would be too much to get. Yeah. I say the Brewers have to make make that kind of deal. Okay. If you're going to put your chips in to get in and do some real damage this year, you've got to have a center fielder you can count on. You can count on. And if you don't have a center fielder you can count on, I hate to say this, this season is going to be done in round one. Yeah. The pitching is going to hold the pitching is going to hold up the best they can. The offense is about me. But, but, but you, you got to have a center fielder. You need the defense. Your center fielder has to be a defense. Yeah, you need the defense. Exactly. Yep. Every, every fundamental, fundamental, fundamental side I've ever heard is you build up the middle as far as your defense goes. Yep. That means your center field, shortstop, second base, and catcher. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the pitcher is the one that's going to deliver the ball. That's always been the, what I've been taught. So you go into that frame of mind is, okay, if your worst position happens to be center field, that's the position you might want to go out and make a trade for before the deadline See? and do something to upgrade that position. And I'll go one step further. I'll go, I'll go out on a limb as far as this goes. Yeah. What I mean, that that, that uh, the catcher as far as it goes, he's only on a one year deal anyway. Throw him in. Mm. Throw him in. Mm. Throw him in on a one year deal because that sal- that salary that as far as it goes is going to go away. But whatever you deal in addition to youngsters to them, yeah. Youngsters to them, that will be helpful. If we're not going to go after a Wilson, uh, the Cubs catcher, Wilson uh, Contreras, uh, yeah. uh, if we're not going to go after somebody like him so he can play more often, then you got to go after somebody who's going to help you out in center field. And that's the other, that's the weakest second position on this team is right. to make sure that you got the, t- and then by doing that, that will help you get to that next level. I mean, we had Kane, but Kane's bat went into the tank as it, as it, as his career yeah. winds down, wound down. But now we have nobody out there that I can call the actual center fielder. I don't think Taylor is the answer. He's a corner outfielder. 
he's, he's a corner he's, outfielder. He's done okay. I'm not. I'm not going to nitpick Taylor too much. And Davis made some great plays too. Here's here's Daryl. You talked about Brian Reynolds, and that's a move they have to make a center fielder. Here's my issue: if you can't find a superstar center fielder, like a clear head and shoulders upgrade above the guys you already have, here's my point. I don't know that Brian Reynolds is that much better than Tyrone Taylor or Jonathan Davis or Hunter Renfro. Like, I think he fits right in with those guys. So why not just keep the guys that you have? That, that's what I'm saying. I want them to get a super, okay. super star center fielder. Otherwise, I don't know that it's worth okay. it. Okay, one more thing I want to I want to add in before you, before we before we uh, lose time as far as it goes. One more thing. I, I uh, Bryce Terang, Terang, as far as I know, is is a shortstop is the shortstop uh, that they're going to hold back this year. That next year, I think he makes the club. And the thing I'm going to say this as far as it goes, I think Colton Wong is the guy that's going to be out as far as it goes next year. That they're going to move uh, Luis Reyes over to uh, uh, second uh, or to second base, and it wouldn't surprise me if Terang is over at third base or the backup backup utility infielder next year. I'm going to say that. I put that myself out there for now, and <laughs> yes. let, let the chips fall where it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Play your flag on that. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you, Daryl. Okay, so now I'm now I'm pulling up contracts, and that was Daryl. Thank you for the call. 608-796-2558. Brewers have, if I'm reading this correctly, I think, again, I might be reading this wrong, but it looks pretty obvious to me. Brewers have a club option on Colton Wong next year for $10 bucks, And that doesn't seem like a lot because we compare it to, you know, NFL contracts, NBA contracts, or, you know, Christian Yelich who's getting whatever it is, 200-some, 300-something million. I, I don't know. Um, it's a $10 million club option for next year. They, they paid him $7 million last year, $8 million this year. They could pick it up next year. Daryl, you might be right. They might say, uh, we'll save our $10 bucks. We'll move Luis Rios up. We'll call up Bryce Terang um, and then, you know, figure out what, what's to do with Willie Thomas. Golden Wong is really underwhelmed this year. And I agree with you. Defense is really, really important. I tweeted yesterday, the Brewers sneaky don't have a great defense. And if you're going to build around pitching... Defense kind of goes with that, right? That's why Craig Council and David Stearns for years said, run prevention, run prevention. It's not just our pitching, it's our defense. That's why they invested in Lorenzo Cain and Colton Wong at second base. They want to be able to prevent runs. They want to take runs off the board for the other team. The idea, and I said this last night, the idea of of beating the Brewers, if you're going to beat the Brewers, it's like you need to score extra runs. So if you need to win a game three to two, it needs to feel like you need to score four runs. It needs to feel so much harder because you need to get hits off the Brewers starting pitching in their bullpen, which is impossible. And you need to deal with Colton Wong, Lorenzo Cain, all these elite defenders around the diamond as well. The defense isn't holding up its part of the bargain. And part of that is center field. Jonathan Davis also made an unbelievable catch last week. So I'm not going to roll him over the coals. That was just some crazy bad luck. McCutcheon should have been coming over to help him out. I felt like an old man yelling that during the game yesterday, but it's right. And Daryl brought that up. He is correct. And then they made a bummy throw home. Like, the ball beat him there. That should have been an out, and it wasn't. So, just a really bad luck play. I'm with Daryl. Center field isn't good enough, and they could use an upgrade. But if there's not a sizable head and shoulders upgrade, I, I don't know what the point is. Because you have a lot of guys who are very similar. I don't need to go get another guy that's more of the same. That doesn't help me. That just makes life more difficult on Craig Council. Makes it easier to make the wrong roster decision, right? Let's talk to Richie in Eau Claire, 608-796-2558. What's up, Richie? Hey, Grant. Uh, yeah, so I was listening to Daryl's call there, and, and I I got to say, I, I guess I understand the going for a center fielder, but outside of that, I really don't understand 
most of his thought process there. As far as the catching thing goes, there's no way in you-know-what that I want to go after Wilson Contreras for the cost that he's going to be. And we have uh, arguably the, the, the best duo of defensive catching. Yeah, uh, they've, they've thrown out more runners combined than any uh, bat- or, uh, combination of a battery back there of anybody in the league. They're both batting, uh, you know, Narvaez is over 250, and Caratini is flirting with 250, even though he struck out four times yesterday. So their batting is still, you know, above average as far as catchers go. Caratini has an option. So if Severino is there and we need to send Caratini down, that's what we're going to have to do for now to clear up that roster spot that Daryl was so worried about. You know, we don't have to send Hura down. We don't have to send some of these other guys down. I mean, should Hura be sent down? You know, there probably is a time that he's going to be, but not because of our catching situation. Like, we have we have options there. So, with that being said, again, there's no way I'm going after Contreras. Also, like, field, with, though, with the Keston here thing, are we, I, I almost feel bad for him. Like, the dude just needs at-bats. He needs a lot of at-bats, right? right? And he just can't he can't get them. And, I, like, I'm not even blaming right. Keston here for that. And it's, it's not Craig Council's fault. It's the way this roster has shaken out. Where everyone falls positionally, mm-hmm. it's just it's a really tough situation for Keston Hero. And as far as center field goes, I am I've always been on the Tyrone Taylor uh, bandwagon. Is he a you know all star center fielder? No, probably not. But he has made some great plays defensively. He's learning that outfield. He he knows that center field, which is huge. You got to do that. Yeah. He's got a decent bat. Like you said, Brian Reynolds is a star on a Pittsburgh Pirates team. That's no upgrade over Tyrone Taylor. That would be a terrible trade. And then, and then uh, with Jonathan Davis, give him some time to learn that outfield. He he hasn't played a whole lot there. And one of the reasons that he's on this roster is because he was a very, very good defensive center fielder and has a lot of speed. So give him a little time, and he can be the fourth outfielder that you know, even when Renfro gets back, or whatever, he can be the fifth outfielder, you know, but he's a nice guy to have on that roster. Kind of the same way it is. It's nice to have Pablo Reyes waiting in the wings. We can bring him up to play defense whenever we need him to and steal some bases. Cause they're both, you know, one plays center field, one plays infield, but they're very similar in that respect. I want to know what, so I'm a big NBA guy, right? And like, I'm going to use an example that the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks have so many young developing players to the point where they can't play them all. They can't develop them all. So a lot of times in the NBA, when these young upstart teams kind of start to turn a corner, what they do is they do a three for one or a two for one, and they give up three developing, exciting young players because they have too many and they get back one proven player in return. What does the MLB equivalent of that look like? Because the Brewers have way too many guys. It doesn't help to add, like in 2018, they added Curtis Granderson and Moose. That's not going to help this team, right? Unless you can get one guy that's way better than everyone you already have, you might as well just sit on your hands because I don't know that a move will make a difference. Right, and I, I think that's kind of the situation we're in right now. There isn't a big name, and any of the big names that you're going to go after, then you're putting one of our guys on the bench that has been performing above average. Like, we have... 11 guys right now that are over 100 with WRC plus for the super nerds like us, you know. Yeah. So they have they have a lot of guys that are above average. They're, they may not be in the very top of the league, but there's a lot of them that are above average and a couple of them that are hovering right around 100. So really this team is slightly above average in all aspects of the team. Which, I mean, there are worse ways to be. I just, you need one. Well, what they need is Christian Yelich to have two months where he plays like he did in 2019, and this team could honestly pound everyone in the NL and win a World Series. If they just got that, well, like that makes every everything else so much better. That's all they need, really. 
Well, and like I've talked to my preseason predictions with Brandon on my podcast is that my prediction was Rowdy is going to win the home run title for the Brewers, and he, he said Adamas. And if these two can keep duking it out, going back and forth to see who leads, maybe they can be the combination of guys. Maybe we don't need Yelly because those guys are pounding the ball right now. Right. All right. I, I like where we are with the Brewers. I'm actually, in a, in a few minutes here, going to compare them to the 2018 Brewers. Right off the top of your head, Richie, before I let you go, you can have the 2018 Brewers bullpen or this year's Brewers bullpen. Which are you taking? This year's. I feel like this is something I realized today. This year's pretty damn good. Like, Brad, and they're all more experienced now. Like, Brad Boxberger has years of experience where Jefferson Hayter really didn't in 2018. Isn't that nuts? If they have no. another guy, that and, bullpen's going to be incredible. And with the starting pitching, they just get a little offense. Uh, uh. Right. And even Boxberger last night, you know, I mean, I know he's not as talented as Williams and Hayter, but Boxberger is my guy. He is just such an ice-cold guy when he gets yeah. out on the mound. Yeah, and he's better on the block. He's been a closer elsewhere. He's experienced a lot. That's valuable, especially in high leverage moments like last night. Okay, Richie, I got to take a break. Thanks for the call. You bet. Richie in Eau Claire, 608-796-2558. Let's take a break. Come back. Let's compare the 2018 and 2022 Brewers because they're not they're not that far apart. Last week I was telling you, hey, the offense in 2018 actually wasn't that much better than this year's offense. I think this year's bullpen might be better, which is nuts because they could add someone at the trade deadline and have a four-headed monster the way in which they did last year. Or if they want to shrink the rotation and put Aaron Ashby in the bullpen, there you go. There's your 2018 Corbin Burns. The recipe for this Brewers team is really dangerous, potentially. Now, we haven't seen it play out yet. They're playing good right now. They're not playing great, which I actually kind of like. Just keep winning series, improving slowly. We don't need to get red hot yet, right? Don't burn too brightly. We're burnout. I don't want that. Just keep winning games. I like how this team is looking. And when you compare this bullpen to 2018, it's actually pretty nuts. We'll do that coming up in a few minutes. Remember David Gasper coming up at 530 as well. Wisco Sports Show back in a few. Wisco Sports Show, David Gasper in about 15 minutes here. He was at Summerfest. I was at Summerfest. So naturally, we're going to make it all about us. And we're going to talk about our Summerfest experience. Uh, of course, we'll talk about the Brewers as well. My random brewer that I have ready for him today, uh, it's a banger. I believe 2012, 2013. Short tenure with the Brewers, but very, very memorable. Very memorable. Played a lot of positions. Uh, very excited. And Gasper will have uh, brought us a random brewer as well. I guess, how are we talking about the Brewers today? We talked about Rudy Gobert and how the Wolves made that trade, maybe not to win a title in the end, but they made that trade because they're the Wolves and they have a chance to be really, really good for the next couple of years. Maybe make a conference finals. Heck, maybe if it all goes right, maybe they make an NBA finals, but maybe not a move that a franchise would make if a franchise wasn't garbage for 30 years, right? So then I said, well, what about the Brewers? They've never won a World Series. Should they be operating differently this year and next? I think so. The Vikings never won a Super Bowl. What about them? I think, you know, so. I mean, I'd trade Kirk Cousins, but, you know, whatever. So that's kind of where we started. Daryl called in and said we need a new center fielder, and I said maybe, but I don't know who they will get. And then Richie called in, and uh, we're just talking Brewers. I guess that's the best way to put it. Cone Rollers here, 608-796-2558. What's up, Cone? Hey, Grant. What's going on? I'm driving cross-country, left uh, Wisconsin this morning and headed for uh, Arizona. Oh, why Arizona? I mean, I like Arizona, but it's a little dry. Like, you grow up around lakes all the time. You grew up near Milwaukee, right? You grew up near a Great Lake. How are you going to move to the desert? 
It's a dry heat. It's a dry, okay. Yeah, that's the right answer. Correct answer. You weren't at Summerfest this weekend, uh, perchance, were you? No, I was the weekend before, though. No, how was it? It was pretty good. Um, I, I kind of like the weekend format, and crowds are still down, I think, since COVID. So it's, it's made it a little nicer to, you know, move around, get beer, go to the bathroom. Yeah. So big fan of it. I saw two chains on Friday night. Um, how how was he? Any good? Well, is, he, is he washed? I'd never been to a rap concert before, but the friends I was with really wanted to go. They love two chains. So not to sound like a dad here, but it was kind of cool to be with them because they were having the time of their life, and that made me happy. I thought it was pretty dope. I don't know if he was good or not because I've never been to a rap show before, so I didn't. I didn't have anything to compare it to. Like it was exciting. We're all pumped up, so I guess I enjoyed that. So good, yeah. I'd say he was good. Yeah, a little different than a Dead and Company or a Jimmy Buffett show, I'm sure. Oh, dude, we saw. Okay, seeing you went there. Uh, we saw Mount Joy on Saturday night, and they played Fire on the Mountain, and it was raw. They did a Grateful Dead cover, and me and my friends, we were. I was amped up mostly, but I got the rest of my friends amped up about it, anyways. But yeah, uh, very different for sure. But a fun experience. What do you think about the Brewers? I feel like everyone and their brother was at the Brew game yesterday. You weren't there, right? No, I wasn't. But uh, I love Mount Joy as well. But uh, really, yeah. Brewers. I, I, you know, the haters are awfully quiet. All the Dun Club people from two weeks ago, awfully quiet on the Twitterverse. Why do we always do the Dunn Club in June? I'm not even blaming these individual people, although I do exactly remember who it was. It was David Cudahy and others. Uh, and I can't remember yeah. who was the other one. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to remember. I will remember. I will write it down because I'm not letting it go. Um, but I, why do we do the Dunn Club in June? I just think it's so dumb. Not even trade deadline, not even all-star break. I think end of August is where, where you can really you know, make that decision. Yeah, I okay. Do you want to know my weird Brewers opinion? You might like this. Um, I'm Let's glad. I'm glad that they split the series with St. Louis, and I'm glad they split with Pittsburgh. Like, I want them to win a couple of games, and then I want them to lose. I want losses mixed in. I want this team to win series and play good baseball, but I don't want them to get like uncontrollably, unsustainably hot. So I'm cheering for the Brewers to win a good, healthy amount of games, but not like an unsustainable amount. Yep, controlled burn. It's a controlled yes. burn. Yes, that's oh, that's exactly the way I want to put it. Yes, absolutely. Um, before I let you go, because I have to get to a guest, where in Phoenix are you moving? My grandma lives there. Maybe I can hook you guys up. Um, Biltmore area, North Phoenix. Oh, I don't know where that is, which is tough because I love going to Phoenix. So I will do some research. Are you going to stay a listener and a caller? We need an Arizona correspondent. Absolutely, I'll yes. be on. Uh, I'll be on call all the time. Maybe I'll. I'm going. I'm planning on going to the Diamondback Brewer Series for early September. So oh, that's I great. can give you the lowdown on that. Hell yeah! We'll drive safe. Good luck with the move, Cone. Yeah, appreciate it, Grant. Have a good one. Yeah, you as well. That is Cone Roller, uh, most notably known on Twitter. You can find him at underscore or a Cone underscore Roller. I want to know the. I want to know the bit behind that. It's a really good name, but I don't know what it means hopefully it's not something inappropriate because this is a children's show controlled burn i love that that is fantastic that's what i was looking for that's the phrasing i needed we're off and running now i can't wait to bring this to david gasper and he's gonna say i'm nuts he's gonna go wait so you want the brewers to lose games here and there yep i want them to get knocked down a peg a couple times a week just when you think they're about to win 20 in a row i want nope gotta lose a game mix in a good healthy loss controlled burn everything's under control Love that. Thank you, Cohen. Uh, and a Mount Joy fan. Look at this guy. Man of culture. 608 
796-2558. Send me a text. Do not call me uh, because we're about to have David Gasper on the horn. Uh, and not only can I not take your call, but it also makes a really obnoxious beeping noise that we can all hear. And you don't want to be that guy. Uh, I can think of a couple of callers who have been that guy. Let's not be that guy today. David Gasper reviewing the brew coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. 608-796-2558. Send me a text. Do not call me uh, because David Gasper is here. David Gasper of reviewing the brew. David Gasper, happy Independence Day, my fellow uh, blue blood and blue red, <clears throat> red, white and blue. American. Red blooded American. Yeah, thank you. That's what I was looking for. Jesus. How are you? How's your fourth? It was good. It was good. Got to see the fireworks down in Milwaukee on Sunday. Got to see uh, got to see some more fireworks on Monday with the uh, Victor Caratini walk off homer against the Cubs. That was a good one. Yeah. So you were at the game. Uh, so I tweeted. So I was driving home from Milwaukee yesterday, and I got out of my car for all of thirty seconds to walk into Quick Trip, and it was disgusting out. And I thought, oh my god, I bet it is gross inside American Family Field. And you responded to me and said, no, it's actually not bad in here. And the only way I believe that is if reviewing the brew has a suite that's air conditioned that you haven't told me about. Because there's no way it felt good in American Family Field yesterday. I I was not in a suite, but our season seats are right in front of the press box. Uh, So we were getting a little bit of the the AC from the press box, I believe. Um, In my spot, it was fine. Apparently, it was a little hot and muggy. Uh, out in the bleachers because those guys started getting a little upset and there was a brawl out there in the bleachers in the uh, in the ninth inning. Do we know what the brawl was over? I saw videos, but we didn't. Did anyone get to the bottom of that? Um, I think someone slept with someone else's wife. Not sure. <laughs> That's normally it. <laughs> it's normally it. Yeah, it's, it's typically some, but no, probably just, you know, Brewers, Cubs, whatever. It was the ninth inning of a tense, close game. I don't know. Yeah, and it was but, a lot uh, of in bunch there. Cubs fans involved, some Brewers fans involved. It's, uh, yeah. Hot and sweaty in there. We can't all watch from a suite or catch some loose AC from the press box. That actually sounds like a... <laughs> I was not in a suite. <laughs> you yeah. better not be because I, I, I want an invite to that suite at some point. We've never been to a brewery game, although we have bumped into each other at Brewer Games before, you're an easy man to spot. Not to always bring this up, but you're like, you are the size of Yeah, Giannis. a little like, bit. You could get a bucket over Giannis, I think, if you had 100 tries. No, I could not. Uh, I could not get a bucket over, bucket over Giannis. Actual NBA players can't get a bucket over Giannis. Well, you know, Skyhook, just flip it up there. You might you might get lucky once or twice. I want to ask you about Summerfest, but I want to do that at the end. We'll, we'll do a little a content sandwich here. We start with 4th of July. We'll do some Brewers now, and then we'll wrap up with Summerfest because I, I want to hear about your experience. Um... This is my favorite take of the week, um, and a caller that I just had on before you actually added to this. He, he got a good label for this. So since the Brewers swept the Reds, they're 8-5, and five, and I love that. My take on this is I'm glad they only split with Pittsburgh and St. Louis. I actually like them losing some games here and there. It's a healthy thing, right? I want the Brewers to play very good for the next two months, but I don't want them to be amazing and get way too hot and, and, and take off at a speed that's unsustainable. I want a controlled burn. Just keep plugging along, nothing too crazy. Just keep winning series. That's all I want. I don't. I don't want a big winning streak. Not right now. Does that does that check out with you, or is that nuts? No, that that checks out. I mean, you, you really don't want to get too hot too early uh, when it comes to. This. I mean, it really kind of the winner of the World Series. It generally comes down to which team is hottest at the right time. You know, last year the Atlanta Braves got hot heading into the end of the season. Uh, got hot going into October. That's that's what they needed. Um, 
You know, that we've seen that with uh, the Nationals as well. We've seen that with, with plenty of teams over the years. You know, you don't want to get too hot too early. I mean, I, I think it was the uh, Mariners who won like 116 games, whatever it was in the regular season. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to make it because they just, they just kind of got burned out by the end of October. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily whoever has the best regular season record is going to have the best October. So, yeah, you know, it, it does make some sense. You don't want to get too hot right now. I mean, it, it kind of sounds weird on his face. I'm like, oh, I'm glad they lost a game. Like, you know, it, it may sound weird, but you, you don't want them getting too hot too soon. So here's the other thing. Does getting on a hot streak in June prevent you from getting hot again? That's that's what I'm always worried about. Like, the Brewers always seem to get way too hot in May or June. Not necessarily. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that shouldn't freak me out. You should be able to get hot again. But for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like the Brewers have that in them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an inexact science, the game of baseball. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to kind of deal with feel and just kind of, you know, there's only so much you can do to get a team hot, you know, and uh, there's no guaranteed way to be able to do it to, to just kind of turn it on. It just got kind of, it just kind of happens. I suppose. So, you know, they could get hot now, but, you know, they, they could get hot again. It's just a matter of, uh, Making sure that they are hot, though, you know, late in September, heading into October. I love what Brian Anderson said on, uh, it was actually on our friend Bart Winkler's program, uh, like two weeks ago or whatever, and I was listening to that interview after the fact, and he said that a World Series finds you, right? It kind of finds the baseball team, and I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So I think just be good, win series, win the division, don't worry about getting hot at the right, just play baseball, be healthy at the right time, have some good energy, and hope that one of these years the World Series finds you. I like that way of thinking. It found the Nationals. Mm-hmm. It found the Braves. One of these years, I swear, uh, it'll hopefully find the Brewers. We're talking with David Gasper on Twitter, at DGasper24. So, Eric Lauer, I wanted to ask you about this. Baseball is so funny um, because June and July are just made-up concepts, right? Like, they're not real. It's just a label <laughs> we put on months. And then yesterday on TV and on Twitter and everything... Man, Eric Lauer is excited to turn the calendar from June to July. It's like, wait a minute. We didn't have to wait until the next month for him to start playing better. But it seemed to work yesterday because he looked great. What does Eric Lauer need to do moving forward to be the pitcher the Brewers need? And what did you see yesterday? What did he do right yesterday that he had struggled with in the month of June? Well, I mean, you kind of could see it. You know, he talked about it a little bit in his uh, post-game press conference as well. But, you know... He had the zoom ball working a little bit more. He was able to locate it better. I mean, the thing that really kind of bit him in the month of June was the home run ball. He kept on giving up so many home runs, you know, and each of his starts that month. And he just, he needed to be able to limit those. And in order to limit those, he needed a little bit more zoom back on his zoom ball. Uh, and he needed to be able to locate it a little bit better. And, you know, as he was able to show, and as he said post game, that he did have a little bit more zoom on it uh, on Monday. And, uh, was able to locate it. Gave up the one home run to Velasquez. Uh, you know, really kind of, but he limited it to that one mistake. Uh, and you know, it, it was kind of still kind of looking bad for a while as it was a one nothing game. But you know, they were able to pull out the win, which is great. But for him, yeah, it's locating that fastball, uh, having that extra zoom on it. You know, even though it's only coming in like ninety four, ninety five, yeah. you know, it can be like right down the middle, and hitters are still missing it. So it's it's just that deception. It, it's having the proper location on it because uh, if you miss with that location at ninety four ninety five, yeah. then it then then it tends to get hit a pretty 
pretty long way. Then it's the home run. Yeah, and that was his issue last month. He'd have a lot of good innings and good moments, but then it would be overshadowed by, you know, two home runs, and that can be a backbreaker, especially how teams are always looking for home runs in this day and age. Let's talk about the offense really quickly, and then I do want to chat about Summerfest. Gasper, we got too many guys, don't we? We get three catchers, six potential outfielders, if you count Jace Peterson, which I do because I don't think if Adamus Wong and Urias are healthy, he's going to play over them. And that doesn't even factor uh, factor what we do with Keston Hira. I, I'd i ask you if they're going to keep three catchers or not, but that seems like a small little detail in, in what is a larger kind of conundrum for the Brewers. What do we do with this? Because they have so many guys. I mean, you can't even add a guy at the deadline because chances are it's just going to be more of what you already have. What do the Brewers do with this roster? If anything, maybe you think they don't have to do anything. Yeah, I think they're going to make some sort of addition uh, to this roster for sure as we, as we get through the trade deadlines coming up in less than a month now. Um, they're, they're going to do something to add to it as for how they kind of fix the current roster situation, especially when Renfro comes back. You know, that's something that, that remains to be uh, seen. I mean, they got, yeah, two backup catchers. That's, I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, you know, they really kind of are going to be looking for some help in, in center field. Uh, most likely, Jonathan Davis is a nice, you know, short-term, you know, interim fill-in. Um, it'll be great to have Taylor back soon, but you know, they're, they're probably going to be looking to make an upgrade there. You know, as for who gets sent down, you know, that's that's going to kind of be tough. I mean, you're looking at maybe, you know, once they get their outfield fully healthy, maybe Davis yeah. going down, but you still kind of need a backup center fielder. McCutcheon isn't really an ideal option out there, and you know. Otherwise, you're looking at potentially Keston Hira going back down. You know, his playing time has kind of been intermittent. He's getting playing time against lefties with the platoon, even though he's terrible against lefties. I, I still don't know what's up with that and why he's not getting more at-bats against right-handers. Uh, but it, those are really kind of the two guys that are probably the closest to being sent down and, and having something happen when uh, the rest of this team gets healthy, when Renfro comes back and Taylor comes back. Remind me next week, we need to talk about the bullpen because I was looking around today and looking at some numbers. This Brewers bullpen, if they add another guy, might be just as good, if not better, than the 2018 bullpen, right? Like, they're kind of on the same plane, which is nuts. Um, so next week or the week after, at some point, we need to talk about that. Can you please remind me? I'll write it down, too. Hold on. I will write yeah, it down. I got you. I am the host. This is my show, after all. I probably should write it down. Um, random Brewers, really quickly, before we talk about Summerfest. Um Mine is uh, it's a fun one. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Did you see the Twitter picture? By the way, do you know who I'm about to tell you about? I did see the picture. I couldn't place his face immediately. Okay, good. So this is what we're striving for. Uh, every week, I bring a random brewer to Gasper. He brings one to me. Um, three years in the majors, two with the Brewers. Uh, and here's my hint: uh, he played shortstop, second and third, and he was recalled by the Brewers when they outright released Randy Wolf. Does that get you anywhere? It's okay if not. Not off the top of my head. <laughs> Jeff Bianchi. Remember old Jeff Bianchi? Oh, yes. Yes. He was actually a scout in the Brewers organization for a while after the playing days ended. Jeff Bianchi. I'm going to look yeah. him up. I, didn't I remember he had uh, some cl- some clutch hits as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He always, he always seemed to come up with some clutch hits, you know, coming in there, pinch hitter off the bench. Nice smile and uh, and a good short beard, which I can appreciate. So Jeff Bianchi is my random brewer for you today. Did you bring me anyone? Yeah, I got I got one for you here. So this one, maybe not maybe not that random. I, I think there are going to be some fans who who remember him. 
Okay. Uh, he had a pretty good uh, career in Milwaukee. Uh, four years with the Brewers from 2003 to 2006. Uh, put up some, some pretty productive seasons uh, playing in center field for the Brewers. Had nine years in the big leagues. Got any idea where I'm going? So that's too early to be Mike Cameron, right? Just before the Mike Cameron era in center yes. field? Hmm. Then, no, yeah, I'm looking at a Mike Cameron. six roster right now. Eh, let me take a quick peek. Mm, mm, mm. No, I mean, not Carlos Lee. He didn't play center. No, no, he did not play center field. <laughs> Who is it? It is Brady Clark. Oh, well, that would have been the last name on this list that I would have guessed. God, he sounds like a stock photo. <laughs> Brady, I'm gonna yeah, Brady Clark, man. He, he had some, some decent seasons. Hit 306 uh, in 2005 with 13 homers with a 109 OPS plus. You know, put, put up some solid numbers. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, Super Great didn't have a lot of home run power. Um, you know, was able to steal double digit bases three of his four years here. So he was a he was a fun player for a little while. He was he was you know I always liked him out there in center field. But then we went to the the Mike Camerons and the uh, Carlos Gomez's oh, and the Nitro Morgan. What an era! The center fielders got a lot more fun from there. Just lightning yeah. rods in center field. I agree. I'm looking at his baseball uh, picture from the Brewers, and he kind of looks like he's drunk. Uh, maybe not the best picture. I'll find a better one, and I'll tweet out the <laughs> pictures of uh, Jeff Bianchi, Brady Clark. Okay, Summerfest really quickly. Who did you see, and how was it? Because I'm dying to know. I went to see Jesse James Decker on the uh, Uline stage on, on Friday. So it was good. I was I was front row, man. I could just walk right into the pit. I know I'm tall, but like there there weren't that many people there, which was uh, kind of unfortunate and sad to see because she put on a pretty good show. Um, and NFL legend Eric Decker, her husband, was there as well on the side of the stage, just kind of hanging out by the by the sound engineer, just kind of hanging out. So it was, uh, it was fun. So he actually came out on stage for a little bit. I could not place when you said that name who this was. Now I have pulled up her picture. I am aware. Yes. Uh, and uh, let's just say that, uh, uh, how do I put this? Uh, Eric Decker did well for himself. Well done. Uh, like Sam Decker did. Speaking yeah. of the Deckers, they marry well. The Decker boys, they do very well finding a... They do. Yep. Those those two aren't related. They're not. But... Uh, upstanding, industrious, uh, classically attractive women. Well done to both the Deckers, Sam and, uh, and uh, Eric. Yeah. I saw absolutely. I mean, he he came up there uh, on stage and like she had him out there for a little bit. I was able to yell to him like, "Eric, you won me a fantasy football championship in 2013." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> he loved it." <laughs> so he goes, oh, "That's great, man. Give, give me a thumbs up. It was it was a fun time." Well, damn, I didn't. I saw so on Friday night. I saw two chains, uh, and I did not get a thumbs up from. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so you, you were in the stage right next to me there at, at U.S. Cellular. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a madhouse. Uh, there's a there's a friend in my group, and it was his birthday this weekend. We're actually there for him, so it kind of worked out well. But he has said, and he said for years, like not like the last year or two, like since I've known him, freshman year of college, he believes that Two Chains is a top five rapper of all time. And we've always just kind of been really? like, okay, dude, you know, whatever. Go ahead and believe that. You're not hurting anyone. And then we actually got to take that show on the road. We actually got to go see 2 Chains. And I'm not going to lie, when we left the show, I'm like, maybe not top five, but I see the appeal. Uh, my buddies, uh, we call him Schwendy. His last name is Schwendeman. And I said, you know what? Nice. You are not as <laughs> off base with your 2 Chains stock as maybe I once thought. 2 Chains was pretty good. He's pretty good. 
There were a lot of people there, man. That, that, that stage was filled all the way to the back end of the walkway and everything. Well, it was the place to be. Uh, also, one more thing for you. On Saturday night, I saw Mount Joy, and the lead singer, who's from Philly, said before the show, he's like, I've never been to Milwaukee before. I've never seen people walking around eating corn cobs. Are we the only state in the country that eats corn? That cannot be true. I don't buy that. I don't, I don't know if this dude's ever been to like a, a festival or a fair like that before. Like yeah. maybe like at normal concerts, yeah, probably you don't have people walking around eating corn cobs. But you go, you go like, see a band at, at summer at summer festivals. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, I'm just I'm just dying at the idea of getting tickets to go see someone at the Pabst and everyone in there's eating corn and they have butter all over their lap. <laughs> If festival, that's a good point. Festivals, it's a thing. But again, if Wisconsin and Minnesota are the only states in the country that eat corn on the cob, like with their hands, then that's an everyone else issue because it's fantastic. Oh, Iowa and Nebraska are certainly joining you there. Okay, good. Corn country, some might say. All right, uh, Gasper, it is my goal every week yeah. to not keep you so long, and I keep keeping you too long. So thank you. You're so generous with your time. Know that it is appreciated. Thank you. I will talk to you soon. All right, sounds good, man. Take care. That is David Gasper reviewing the brew. I'm not that sorry about it um, because I keep doing it, but I appreciate his time. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about that. Maybe they've never played a music festival before. Oh, it's like you get a you go to a show at, or just like think of the Guthrie in the Twin Cities, and everyone's in the crowd just munching and slobbering on corn. <laughs> That's just a funny visual. I'm very immature. These are the things that I laugh at. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this. So I was driving back from Milwaukee. As I said, I was at Summerfest. I'm going to mention that as many times as possible today. It was a good time. And I'm listening to the game, and I'm switching in and out. There wasn't a lot of action. So I'm going back and forth between a podcast that I was listening to and checking into the Brewer game and maybe mixing in music. I have ADD big time, so when I'm driving, I'm switching to a million things back and forth. Right, switching on and off. I got back to lacrosse in about the seventh inning, and they had just tied it up when I parked my car and I was walking into my apartment. And then I turn the game on when I get into my apartment. I see all those Cubs fans in the stands. and It's like, okay, now I'm, I'm invested. I'm emotionally connected to this game, and I'm going to cheer and feel anxious in these big moments where for most of my drive when I was listening, it's like, eh, you know, whatever. Eric Lauer's pitching good. That's nice. You know, I'm not going to live or die with this game. Then the Brewers get really unlucky in the ninth inning. In the top of the ninth, Uh, Suzuki lines one off of the Yount corner or whatever you want to call it in the outfield, right? And Jonathan Davis lets it get behind him. And for all of the old-timey baseball fans out there, I was thinking what you were thinking. Where's Andrew McCutcheon with the backup? I don't know. He was just hanging out in right field, and the run comes around to score. So Josh Hader, victim of some bad luck. And in the bottom of the ninth, the Brewers are victims of bad luck. Urias singles. Keston Hira hits a double. No run comes from that because it was a ground rule double. Wong is then hit by a pitch, and Christian Yelich then walks. If you tell me, tell me that we get a single, a double, a hit by pitch, and a walk in an inning, there is no normal world in which that only scores one run. Like, I want to know the odds. If you put those four data points into a baseball simulator, I want to know the mean, the average of the runs that are scored with those four variables. Because one run is on, like, the lowest end of the spectrum. Keston here is double bounces up and over the wall. That's bad luck, right? But it was enough. The Brewers tie the game. Willie Adamas then comes up, and a home plate umpire, Stu Sherwater, gives away two free strikes to David Roberts. And now I'm pissed because I'm feeling like the ump is jobbing us. The ump's only here to job the Brewers. That's how I'm feeling. 
right? That made me mad. Now I'm invested. There's this huge moment in the 4th of July game, packed house, biggest at bat of the game, and the bottom of the ninth was tainted, right? We get that awesome moment between Boxberger and Hap, and we were robbed of that in the ninth. That's what we should have got, and the home plate umpire's like, I'm just going to give away free strikes, uh, and we'll, fi- we'll figure it out after. So I become really invested in this game, very emotional at this game, Whereas for most of the the first, you know, six or seven innings, I was not that way. And then we were rewarded. Oh, yes, Brewers fans, we were with this. Two balls and a strike. Caratini, center field, hit low. Ortega watches it. Scored the run, obviously, from second. Didn't have to be a home run. As soon as you saw it was going to go over the center fielder's head, uh, we were good. We were set. Awesome 4th of July game. One that's going to be in my memory for probably the next couple of years, just because that's how baseball works. This game actually had me feeling very patriotic last night. I tweeted about it. I was hoping it was the type of low-hanging fruit that would, you know, maybe get more than seven or eight likes. Whatever. You know, if you follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, it's not your responsibility to like all my tweets. But come on, I thought it was, thought it was, <laughs> thought it was nice. Felt very patriotic last night. In the last couple of years, I mean, just my personal experience, it's been tough getting fired up for the 4th of July. Not because I don't love our country or because I don't feel lucky to live here or anything like that. That's not it at all. It's just the last couple of summers, there's been something going on, right? We had the George Floyd riots a couple of summers ago, and then we had COVID that was really bad for stretches. And then this year, there was a shooting the morning of the 4th of July. It's like, damn it. Can we just have a day? where there's nothing going on that's bad. Like the last couple of 4th of Julys have felt like trying to get drunk while a grandparent is in the hospital. Like, yeah, I, I can do it, but it's it's not something that's easy. It's probably not something that I, that I should do. I was feeling very patriotic last night. And sports have a way of doing this, right? Invoking emotion and bringing people together. I think that's a big reason why we love sports, right? On top of passing the time with sports, it gives us a reason to connect with each other. And of course, sports have given us some really patriotic moments over the years. I love that clip of George Bush in 2001 in the first pitch. Of course, the Miracle on Ice in the early 80s, right? You could go down the list, you know, moments at the Olympics and so on and so forth. Baseball is America's pastime, right? Baseball has a way of delivering moments that the NBA can't deliver, the NFL can't deliver. Baseball has this unique niche in American sports where it can really deliver big moments The NFL and the NBA can't. And I think it's because there are so many games, right? In the NFL, every game means everything. For 17 straight games or 18 straight weeks, however you want to look at it, we're told that every snap and every moment of every game is crucial. It's do or die, right? And baseball's honest. Baseball's up front with you. You know, baseball tells you, hey, we play 162 games, and guess what? A solid 30% of them will stink. Another 50% will be okay. There's 80% of your games. They're not going to be barn burners. But... Hey, but the 20% of games that are awesome, unlike anything else in sports, right? They stick in our mind. I still see Kirk Gibson's home run, the 88 World Series, all the time. I think I saw it in a Golden Corral commercial last week. Like, it's everywhere. And it sticks with us in a way that basketball moments don't, football moments don't. Like, and the call, this remains iconic 40 years later. Gibson. Swings and a fly ball to deep right field. This has got to be a home run. Unbelievable. A home run for Gibson. And the Dodgers have won the game 5-4. to four. I don't believe what I just saw. Oh, I love that call. I don't believe what I just saw. 
Right? We still think about that play. I see it all the time. Right? It doesn't even have to be a playoff game. Right? Baseball, baseball classics don't have to be playoff games, especially for the Brewers because they haven't historically been in the playoffs. We still talk about Manny Pena's home run in 2017, that Mother's Day comeback. And there's a drive. to hear Matt LePay during Brewer games. It sounds like a baseball game that's being played in Camp Randall's, but it sounds like we still talk about Manny Pena's Mother's Day home run. It's like six years ago now, right? And I still think, honestly, every day about Travis Shaw's walk-off versus the Dodgers last year. It was the last day of April. I think it was late Saturday night, and it was awesome. No balls, two strikes. Shaw, right field, down, base hit. Feliciano around third. That's his throw. great game and then they played really poorly for like three weeks and then they traded for Willie Thomas and they were back on the on the come up right these are all plays that I just remembered off the top of my head today is some of my favorite baseball moments and two or three of them were in meaningless games meaningless meaningless games baseball is more theater than football or basketball right the games move slowly gives you time to build and to really you know, kind of get into the story, right? When you go see a play in the theater, it's not my favorite thing to do. I'm not going to act like I'm a theater guy, right? But what do you do when they sit down? If there's live music, if there's an orchestra playing, they do this big thing where they play through all the songs of the show to give you a taste and to kind of give you a feel of what you're in for. Baseball moves so slowly, right? You get three or four at bats and Victor Caratini yesterday, four strikeouts before eventually getting the hit. And Brian Anderson, who's been doing this forever, has such a good feel for this how to set up a baseball game, how to kind of set the scene. Even if you were tuning in in the 10th inning and you missed the entire start of the game, you still got this from Brian Anderson. Great poetry in the game of baseball. One of the more redeeming factors about this game is the opportunity at redemption. And Caratini, who has had a rough day, has a chance to turn that around with one swing of the bat here. See Brian Anderson going into the at-bat. He knows what's on the line. And if you heard the show from the very beginning, in the intro, Craig Council talked about it after the game. That's what's great about baseball. Right, you can have four terrible at-bats, you can have a bad game, and then when you get into it, when the big moment comes up, you have a chance to redeem yourself, and, and you can flip everything like that. I felt very patriotic after yesterday's Brewer game. Not because the Brewers won, but because we have baseball, and it's America's pastime. right? And not every baseball game is going to be great. I think something that I've learned this season especially, sometimes it's okay to turn the Brewer game off. Like When you're getting really frustrated... Turn it off. Go for a walk outside after dinner or go, go for a walk. Go do anything else. I don't know. You don't need to watch every moment of every Brewer game every night. Sometimes you need to say, eh, this game really isn't all that important. It's not worth getting worked up for and you move on, right? And not every game is going to be great. And I think that's an issue a lot of people have with baseball. Is there some games that just stink, but that's also what makes the great games great, right? I love baseball. That game last night had me feeling patriotic. America's pastime still got its fastball. And we saw it yesterday. Um, yeah, there's some bad games, but the good games are just so good. I don't know how you can't love baseball. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the Brewers roster because now they have three catchers. I wasn't even thinking about Pedro Severino. And then I turned on the game yesterday and he was playing. So maybe that was a little, maybe that was my bad. I was not paying attention. 
I did not have Pedro Severino's return in the front of my mind thinking about him all weekend. So let's talk about his return, what that means for the catcher position, but kind of for the Brewers roster as a whole, this is a very weird roster. And they're good, but it's constructed weirdly. And I don't know if there's a move or something coming, but I don't know if they can maintain this roster and keep playing this way with this roster the rest of the season. So let's take a break. Three minutes and then we're back. The Wisco Sports Show continues after this. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had an awesome 4th of July. Enjoyed that Brewers-Cubs game yesterday. Game had me feeling patriotic. Baseball has a way of delivering these moments that the NFL can't deliver, that the NBA can't deliver. And look, I love football. I love basketball. The NBA is my favorite league. Like, I still think about Ray Allen's three-point shot from the corner, all of these great moments throughout the years. LeBron's block, everything that Giannis did in the finals two years ago gave us that block and gave us that alley-oop. Like, all these great moments, right? But with the Brewers... There's like three of these moments every season and they happen in meaningless regular season games, right? Like there've been plenty of awesome Bucks plays throughout the year, but it's different with the Brewers, right? I got a tweet from Jeremy and Scotty P1 says ripping off Thames shirt, fielders, cannonball, Braun falling on the third baseline. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Baseball has a way of delivering these moments that stick in our mind, even though they're not pivotal franchise-defining moments, right? Like all those plays that Giannis made in the finals, those are in the finals. Eric Thames getting his shirt ripped off, Braun falling on the third, but like, that, those don't matter. Manny Pena's Mother's Day home run a couple of years ago, that didn't matter. If they would have lost that game, they still would have missed the playoffs, right? Remember, that was the season they came up one game short. So I was feeling patriotic. I was feeling good last night, which was needed, right? The 4th of July the last couple of years has been weird, not saying I'm not feeling patriotic and and great every Fourth of July, but there's just been some crap going on the last couple of years. Like we had everything going on around George Floyd a couple of years ago, and that was just kind of heavy and didn't really feel like celebrating. And then COVID's been bad, and then yesterday we had a mass shooting in the morning in Chicago, right, just an hour and a half south of where the Brewers and the Cubs were playing. And I'm like, man, the Fourth of July is it's tough, it's tough. And then we watched an awesome baseball game and were able to forget about those things at least for a couple of hours. And that's really what sports are about. Yeah, RJ says Bill Hall on Mother's Day. Exactly. I don't need to give you 25 minutes to think of these moments. They're on the tip of your tongue, right? That's how baseball works. It's really, really cool, right? Give me a call or a text, 608-796-2558. Rock and Rick says a game of anticipation. Exactly, right? It makes you work for it. it makes you sit through a couple of slow innings to really punctuate the exciting inning that might come in the sixth or the seventh or yesterday we didn't really have action till the ninth or the 10th or the 11th or into extras that's how baseball works it's theater right it's like a movie there's an opening act there might be an intermission well, it kind of is seventh inning stretch right and again i'm just in case david minona is listening and preparing to crush me i don't like going to plays the theater is not my thing not shaming those who do um but weirdly i feel like i'm gonna get called and 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 mocked for going to the theater going to a play i've been to a play and i don't know the last time i went to a play i want to talk about the brewers roster a little bit um especially pertaining to any moves they may or may not make before the trade deadline because contenders always make moves even if it's at a reliever or at a veteran bat there are very few contenders that actually truly stand pat right now in a 
big sense a team might stand pat. Like, they're not selling. They're not huge buyers. You know, you get a reliever, get a prospect. That's, quote-unquote, standing pat. There's very few contenders that do nothing, right? At the very least, you get a C-plus reliever, right? So the Brewers will probably do that. But anything bigger than adding a reliever is going to be a really interesting process for this Brewers team. I've said over and over and over again, really for two months now, right? Make a huge move or make no move at all outside of a reliever or whatever, right? Don't add a Mike Moustakis or an Andrew Benintendi. That doesn't interest me. That shouldn't interest the Brewers. This Brewers batting order, this offense is redundant from top to bottom, which is fine. That's a fine way to be. It's not great, but it's fine. You have a great starting rotation. The back end of the bullpen is unbelievable. And we're going to talk more about that in the second hour of the show. I want to compare this bullpen to 2008's bullpen or 2018's bullpen that led them one game away from the World Series. This Brewers batting order is not the, the main strong spot of this team. So they don't need to be incredible. They're very redundant from top to bottom. Right? The Brewers batting order is a lot of good bats. There's maybe a very good bat in the three or the four hole, depending on if somebody's hot or somebody's playing really well. There's no great. There's no great bat, right? Look at the Cardinals. The Cardinals offense is very different. They have two or uh, two huge bats in the three and the four hole, and then it's surrounded by a lot of good, right? The Brewers are just good from top to bottom. That's all they really have. St. Louis's offense is basically the Brewers offense if you added two MVPs in the in the meat of the order, right? And, by the way, at Mark Atanasio, MVPs that have played at an MVP level more recently than 2013. So, I'm well, we have an MVP. We have Andrew McCutcheon. Okay, yeah, well, that's that's not the same. Think of the Brewers' offense as, um, as cereal, okay? Let's think of all the bats as, as boxes of cereal. The Brewers have a lot of good options in the pantry. They have a lot of, a lot of good options. You know, Honey Nut Cheerios, solid cereal. That's, that's a solid cereal. Uh, honey Bunches of Oats, with or without almonds, maybe some strawberries, a sweet treat. Uh, frosted Mini Wheats, solid cereal. That's a solid selection. That's a, that's a good selection. That'd be a, a good pantry to have. Adding a box of Pops or a box of Raisin Bran Crunch is not going to put that pantry over the top, right? If you have Honey Nut Cheerios, Honey Bunches of Oats, Frosted Mini Wheats, it's not like, well, the, the, the pantry is good, but really what's going to tie it all together is Raisin Bran Crunch, like, no, that's not how it works, right? But, but if you could maybe add a box of uh, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries, eh, okay, that's worth it. That would take the pantry to the next level. Maybe Reese's Puffs? Okay, that would elevate things. The Brewers have a lot of redundancy, right? The Brewers are basically Honey Nut Cheerios, Honey Bunches of Oats, Frosted Mini Wheats, just solid Raisin Bran Crunch, a delicious cereal. And, and if that's all the cereal you'll ever have, that's pretty good. You can get by with that. But I'm not going to go out and pay a premium at the trade deadline to add some corn pops. Like, I like corn pops. I like Andrew Benintendi. But we already got Cheerios and Honey Bunches of Oats. Right? We got McCutcheon and we got Renfro. It's basically the same thing. So I'm not spending capital to go out and get another box of cereal for the pantry unless I can get something elite, truly next level, a cereal that's actually better than everything I have by leaps and bounds. And if the Brewers can't make a move like that, I'm not really interested in a move. They have a lot of redundancy already. Most obvious with the catcher position, right? Victor Caratini, Omar Narvaez, now Pedro Severino. By the way, I'll be 100% honest here. The Severino thing snuck up on me. And it's probably because I was busy this weekend. Fourth of July things. We went to Summerfest. So it's not like I was on Twitter every day getting ready for the Brewer game. 
But I, I turned on the Brewer game yesterday. It's like, oh, Pedro Severino's playing. Yeah, I guess it has been 80 games. <laughs> it snuck up on me. Maybe I, as a Brewer fan, I've been ill-prepared now uh, for a couple of weeks. I didn't have a countdown on the studio wall. Sorry. I didn't have a, a X number of days until Pedro Severino returns, right? And I heard a couple of other sports talk shows today saying, well, can you keep three catchers? Can you keep all three? I, I don't even know if this is specifically a catcher problem. Yeah, they have three catchers, and, and that's tough. That's going to be a balancing act for Craig Council. But you also have like six potential outfielders, if you count Chase Peterson, which I do, because Jace probably shouldn't be playing over a healthy Adamas, Urias, or Wong. Right now, I don't know what they think of Mike Brasso, but in the outfield, you have Renfro, Yelich, Tyrone Taylor, Jonathan Davis, Andrew McCutcheon, Jace Peterson. You have six outfielders. Oh, but Andrew Benintendi is going to be the ticket that really transforms this offense. Right? I don't know what they're going to do in the infield. Where does Keston Hira play? Forget three catchers. There's quandaries all over this Brewers offense. They have too many guys. So adding, again, another veteran bat, it's it's not going to make a difference. It's just going to make life harder for Craig Council. And again, I like I trust Craig Council to manage a really convoluted, complicated offense. Hey, here's three catchers, six outfielders, uh, three middle infielders, and Rowdy Telez at first base, but you can only play him when you also don't have one of your backup catchers at first base. Oh, and Keston Hira, yeah, kind of at a crucial point of his player development. So anytime you can get him in the game, often as possible, that'd be great. But also he can't hit against lefties, so just keep that in mind. And yeah, thanks. Thank you, Craig. Yep, if you can make all that work. That's a tall ask of a manager. I wouldn't mind the Brewers doing like a two-for-one trade. Give up two pretty good players, decent prospects to get one guy in return. They need to consolidate a little bit. They need to consolidate some debt, refinance the mortgage, just kind of clarify things a little bit because this offense, this team is complicated. We'll talk more about that in the second hour of the show. I want to get back to the Brewers. Don't worry, plenty of Brewers talk. David Gasper, reviewing the brew, will be here at 5.30. I want to talk NBA coming up next. The Timberwolves traded for Rudy Gobert on Friday, and we talked about it a little, and that was fun. But now I've had a couple of days to think about it, and I think there's a bigger conversation to be had around this move, and I think it's a conversation that we can apply to the Brewers, and it's a conversation we can apply to the Packers and the Vikings and a bunch of other teams. So I want to do that. Let's take a tight five. We'll be back in a few here on the Wisco Sports Show. show my name is grant bills i hope you had a great fourth of july happy independence day david gasper gonna be here in an hour from reviewing the brew and you might be thinking well grant he joins us on tuesday yeah i know i almost forgot until this afternoon too uh today is tuesday kind of a funky feeling tuesday (laughs) short week so david gasper will be here in an hour i want to get his review from Summerfest. i was there as well and i did not see him which i find difficult to believe because he's six eight um, although the way that Summerfest is set up, it feels like everyone is 6'8", because they have those bleachers, right? And then when the show starts, everyone stands on the bleachers. So if you don't get there soon enough to get a bleacher seat, then you're just, everyone's seven feet tall. It's actually a horrible system, and I want to talk to someone about it. Because also, what if someone falls off the bleachers, and it's just kind of, it's not a great system. So let's figure that out. Uh, please and thank you before Grant comes back to Summerfest next year. I want to talk Summerfest with Gasper, talk about what the Brewers are up to right now, and uh, everyone's favorite segment, we will both mention 
a random brewer from a season past. 608-796-2558. You can text or call me. Patriot Mike uh, says, technical difficulties today. None of your breaks are playing. <laughs> Mike, you are an astute man. I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, we are having some technical difficulties um, of the breaks firing. So luckily, I'm coming through, uh, but some of the commercials don't want to play across our network. So we should figure that out. Um, I'm actually texting while I'm talking on the radio. I know it's uh, just uh, all over the place. Uh, but yeah, they're working on it in Madison. So it should be fixed before too long. But Patriot Mike, classic, worried about the advertisers of this program. And you should be. Uh, I'm just glad it's not silent. So we're working through a couple technical difficulties. Uh, but it should be fixed before too long. Thanks for the text. You can call me on that number as well and find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I want to talk about the Rudy Gobert trade. And if you're not a Wolves fan or a Bucks fan or a basketball fan, just give me 10 minutes because I'm going to make this into a bigger thing. Uh, we talked a little bit about this on Friday, surface level. And now I've had a couple of days to think about it. I have a buddy I have a buddy who lives out in Montana who's a Minnesota sports fan. He grew up uh, where I grew up, but his family's originally from the cities. And he texted me on Friday. He said, hey, is Rudy Hobbert any good? Uh, I'm assuming he... Maybe he doesn't know, uh, or maybe he, you know, maybe he's a typo. I don't know. And I responded, yes, he is. Uh, he is excellent. <laughs> so anytime one of the Minnesota sports teams, other than the Wild, make a move, he just naturally asks me. If you don't follow the NBA closely, this is how Rudy Gobert works, okay? This is a fun one. The numbers are insane. Every defensive number, every stat, if you look at win shares, take your pick. Any statistic, especially defensive statistics, uh, with Rudy Gobert is eye-popping and one of the best of all time, generational, all of the things, right? The numbers are great, which is almost a little bit of a curse, right? Because the anti-analytics crowd then starts to hate him because the analytics crowd loves him too much, right? We kind of saw this with Nikola Jokic at the end of the season. The numbers people were so high on Nikola Jokic that everyone else is like, okay, can we calm down a little bit? Actually, I'm annoyed by Jokic. Screw the numbers. I want the eye test. Give me the eye test. His team can't even win in the first round. And it became this, this very polarized topic, right? Half the people loved Jokic, probably too much. And half of the people hated on Jokic, certainly too much, right? The honest truth on players or teams or coaches is usually somewhere in the middle. Gobert is one of the best rim protectors ever. The issue was in Utah, especially at the end, he was also like the only good defender on his team, right? He can't cover all five guys. So I, I love the discourse around Gobert. Well, what happened in the playoffs last year? Well, teams wisely realized that none of the other four guys could defend at all. So they just drew Rudy away from the basket and then they attacked the basket. Wow, look at that, right? So the discourse around Rudy, he was bad in the playoff. No, he was the same in the playoffs. It's just the rest of his team wasn't very good. Now, I'm not saying he's the best basketball player in the world, like a lot of analytics people would tell you. Again, the truth is somewhere in the middle. After a weekend of pondering, and especially reading some Timberwolves people and what they had to say about this, right? Here are my thoughts on this deal. And I want to start with what I like about this deal. There's plenty that I like about this deal. The Wolves need defensive help, right? So that's why they made this move. Last year, they were 22nd in opponent field goal percentage at the rim. They were a sieve around the basket because Cat can't play defense. 25th in second chance points conceded per game. So they gave up a lot of offensive rebounds that turned into put back buckets. 28th in defensive rebounding rate. They gave up a lot of offensive boards. And 29th in giving up corner three-pointers. They were a bad defensive team last year. And that's a lot to do with Cat, but also D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards is young, right? 
Now, what they did with Cat in the playoffs is they would use him as this blitzer. So they would just be aggressive and they would use him to trap, but smart teams are going to figure that out. That's not a championship strategy. So I like that they go out and add defense. Utah, in the last six years, which is when Rudy Gobert's met a starter, they've finished top 10 in defensive efficiency all six times. And that's impressive considering Donovan Mitchell is a turnstile and so is Jordan Clarkson and both played heavy minutes. So Rudy Gobert really uplifted Utah's defense. Good for Minnesota to add him in. Okay. I like that. I like teams that try different things. Most of the NBA right now is winning with shooting. See Warriors, Golden State. And with wings, see Celtics, Boston, and Bucks, Milwaukee, right? How often do you hear about wings? Wings is the new thing this offseason, right? Minnesota now has $340 million in total allocated to Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert for the next four seasons, right? He's got a $46.6 million player option in 25-26. They are investing a lot of money into two bigs. One big to make up for the shortcomings of the other, really, because one only plays offense and one only plays defense. But, hey, I like that they're trying something a little unconventional. I like teams that do that. I mean, I'm going to enjoy watching this, right? I like that Minnesota remained aggressive this offseason, right? When a team breaks through, it's really easy for the team to come back next year and say, oh, well, we'll just take the next step now. Well, that's not always how it works. A lot of times, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And the year after the year can be tough. And the Wolves just had their year where they broke through, made the playoffs, had a really competitive first-round series. But I think it's naive for a team to have a breakout season like that and then immediately turn around and say, no, 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 we're good. We'll keep, we'll, we'll just keep growing, keep progressing with what we have. Well, the Warriors are going to get better. The Nuggets are getting a lot better. Clippers are going to get better. Grizzlies are going to get better. The Wolves now are intent on getting better. I like that. I like all of those things. Defensive help, the, the creativity, the aggression. I like all those things. Now, the things that I don't like about this deal, it's just a lot. It's a lot of picks. And the tough part is now for the Wolves, you've played your card. That was the ace up your sleeve to trade multiple firsts for a proven commodity. They did that. They can now not do it again. Now, if Anthony Edwards pops and this goes beautifully, then who cares, right? It worked for the Bucks. So who cares that they don't have three first round picks to now trade for somebody else? They got Drew Holiday at work. By the way, I feel this with the Hawks. This isn't an anti-Wolves thing. I think the Hawks went all in to get DeJounte Murray, and that's a move that is good, but I, I don't know if it's enough, and I feel the same way about the Rudy move, right? Also, if Kevin Durant gets traded tomorrow, the package is going to look pretty similar to this, right? So you're spending $5 on Rudy Gobert when the price for Kevin Durant's probably going to be five twenty-five dollars if he gets traded, which I'm not sure that he will be, but my point remains. You gave up a- 100 bucks to get this player when 110 bucks could get you a player so much better. Maybe not this offseason, but next year, the year after, who knows? I don't like the compensation, right? But everything has a price, so I get it. I don't like that Rudy is old. I'm not saying every player on the Wolves has to be on Anthony Edwards' timeline, but I'd like them to be relatively close. Anthony Edwards is 20. He's going to be 21 in August. Tatum is 24. And we just saw in this NBA Finals a couple weeks ago, he wasn't ready. He wasn't mature enough yet. When Edwards is 24, and best case scenario is as good as Tatum, he might still not be ready. And by that point, Gobert will be 33 or 34. And at that point, his contract is 50 million bucks because the last year of his deer is a player option. It's 46 and a half million bucks. He's going to take it because he's not an idiot, right? I wish Rudy Gobert was a little bit more on the timeline of Anthony Edwards. A little bit. I also don't think this deal is enough to get Minnesota over the top, Right? I don't think this is enough to get them into the finals. I feel the same way about DeJounte Murray with Atlanta. It's a good upgrade. 
that's a little pricey, but you get a good player. But I, I don't think DeJounte Murray is the piece that now launches Atlanta into the finals. And I don't think Rudy Gobert gets the T-Wolves to the finals either. Not this year, not next, and probably not the year after. With every move that is made, I like to ask, is this move designed to help said team win the title? Or is it just to help this team get to the second round or get a little bit better? Because for every example or every article that I look at for Rudy Gobert coverage, right? I was reading John Krasinski's piece in The Athletic. I actually emailed him today. I hope we can get him on this summer to talk about the Wolves and the NBA. If I'm reading a piece, Dan Devine put up a spot at the ringer. And everyone was citing, well, they couldn't rebound over Memphis. And if they could have simply rebounded over Memphis, then maybe they would have advanced to the second round. Yeah, that's great. But you know what? You don't build a team to win last year's title. You build a team to win next year's title or the year after that or the year after that. Otherwise, you end up chasing your tail. Well, we couldn't rebound over Memphis last year, so let's get bigger. And then you play Golden State next season, and you're too big, right? The league moves so quickly. I don't like the logic of we would have beat Memphis last year if we had Rudy, so let's get Rudy. I don't like building a team to win last year's title. So those are the reasons I don't like this trade. It's too much compensation. I could get over that. Rudy is old. I could get over that. I'm not sure it's enough to get to the finals. That's the biggest hang-up. Now, what I've outlined here is basically a pros and cons list, right? Count them out, do the math. The pros outweigh the cons, so it's a good deal or vice versa, and it's a bad deal, right? I don't think this deal should be measured by pros and cons because I think the Minnesota Timberwolves are this whole other case study that shouldn't be graded on the same curve as the rest of the league, right? Minnesota may be in the 2% of American sports franchises that can make a deal like this, right? When you're bad for that long, you kind of play by different rules, right? And this was outlined really well. I was listening to the low post, which is Zach Lowe. He had John Krasinski on and he made this point. And I'm like, hmm, I never thought of it this way. This was the point. I'm going to play it for you. I think that some people outside of this market and this organization maybe have a little bit of a difficult time grasping how bad it has been here for how long it has been here. And so there, there is an immediate reaction right after a trade like this of, well, they're not going to win a title with this, and maybe they don't. But this is a team that has been outside of the first round of the playoffs one time in 33 years, one time. Like, that's it. That is the bar for success. And so... That makes me want to crack open my 4th of July beer now. That's so depressing. It's, it's, it's like, incredible. I feel like I could be the GM of a team. Yes. And just spin a random wheel of all the players in the NBA yes. and build my roster that way and make the second round more than once in 33 100%, years. 100%, Zach. 100%. And not only that, Zach, not only has it been not in the playoffs, they haven't been like the Pacers when they've been out of the playoffs. They haven't been a team that's nibbled around the edges of the playoffs and been right in there. They're losing 50 games. They're losing 60 games. Jimmy Butler's burning the team down. Gerson Rosas is getting fired. For all the things Gerson Rosas got in fight. Come on! All of that. It's been dysfunction. It has been looking your fans in the face and taking their money from them and then punching them in the face. Like, that's kind of been the way that it is. That's not very nice. It it wasn't very nice. It was was terrible. So, find John Krasinski on Twitter. You can read his stuff at The Athletic. Again, I'm hoping to get him on in the next couple weeks. He's going to Summer League, so we're going to hit him up when he comes back. I was going to ask if he would take me with him because I want to go, but I, I thought, eh, too soon. Let's get to know him a little, bit, a little bit first. Do you agree with this line of thinking? 
I'm not sure I feel about this. And this is where I want to bring the Brewers into it or the Vikings into it or a team that just has really struggled for a long time to accomplish its goals, whether it's win a Super Bowl or make the playoffs or win a World Series in the case of the Brewers. Do you start to operate differently when you when you reach a certain streak of ineptitude? Like the Sacramento Kings, I think, are operating differently than a normal team would operate in the last calendar year because they got to make the playoffs. It's been 16 years. Should the Wolves build their team differently than a similar team in a different situation because they've been so bad for so long, they just simply want to stabilize things. They just simply want to get to a certain point. I don't know how I feel about that. So if you're a Wolves fan or you're a Vikings fan or you're a Brewers fan, obviously I think a lot of us, most of us fall into one of those categories. Do you think that the Brewers should be extra aggressive at some point during this window because they've never won a World Series before? I think the Cubs did it. Cubs said, yeah, we'll give up everyone for our oldest Chapman. We, we just got to win a World Series. We've never done it before. We at least got to make it there, right? I think that's what the Wolves are saying. We just we need a couple of good runs into the playoffs here. Maybe we don't win a title. Maybe not with this iteration of the team, but we we just we just got to get better because we've been bad for so long. It's maybe not a move that's completely and 100% focused on winning a title, but just reaching a certain level of competence. And that was interesting to me. I hadn't thought about it that way. And I want to talk about that more coming up next. I really want to apply it to the Brewers is what I want to do. So let's do that. Wisco Sports Show. We'll be back in three minutes. Wisco Sports Show. Got a couple of minutes here before five o'clock. David Gasper going to be here at 530. Going to review Summerfest a little bit. Talk about Brewers Cubs from yesterday. And, 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 of course, uh, name some of your favorite random brewers that you may or may not remember from seasons past. It's one of my favorite things we do every week. Mike in Eau Claire. Hello, Mike. How are you? Says, I definitely think the Brewers are in a win-now situation. Not going to be able to keep Hader, Burns, Adamas for that much longer. We need to ask right now, or we need to ask... Right now, while the iron is hot, this is our opportunity this year. So if you're just joining the show, basically what I I said before the last break, the Minnesota Timberwolves made this deal for Rudy Gobert. And they gave up too much. I think even the Wolves would say that. And maybe it doesn't lead to a title in the end, or maybe it does. I I think there's a, a world in which Anthony Edwards pops early on, and he's just a different young player and helps lead this team and Carl Anthony Towns comes back mentally tougher his game's more complete and it all comes together and they get a little luck in the West and they make the finals could happen I think the most likely scenario is that they get to the second round maybe with a little luck into the conference finals and they're just not on the same tier as the Clippers or the Warriors or even the Nuggets who are going to be a lot better this year or the Suns who are forgetting right if the Suns get Kevin Durant or if the Suns just run it back like this who knows that could happen too I think the Wolves made this move, and I played you that clip from John Krasinski who covers the Wolves. The Wolves made this move thinking, hey, we have been worse than bad for the last 30 years or so. We have something nice right here. We have a chance to have something really nice. A team that competes for a couple of years and is in the playoffs for a couple of years and maybe even makes it to the second round. Holy balls. Can you imagine? Let's take that. And maybe it ends in a finals. Maybe it doesn't. But you know what? We're the Wolves. Are, are we really gonna? Are we really gonna not make a move to have a really solid contending team for a couple of years just because we think it probably won't end in a title? Guess what? Chances are none of these teams are ever gonna win a title because it's really hard to win a title. 
right? So I got to thinking, are there other teams that should be thinking this way? Should the Milwaukee Brewers be thinking this way? I think they should. I I have never been more pro-trade prospect guy than I am right now. At no point in my life have I ever been more just turned on and ready to go to trade some prospects, ship them out of town, get rid of them. I don't want them. Trade them. Let's go right now. This is the time. I'm not worried about the future. I think the Brewers, a team that hasn't been to the World Series since 1982 and has never won one, you got to operate just a little bit differently. I feel that same way about the Vikings. The Wolves obviously feel that way. The Sacramento Kings feel that way. Yeah, we have a really nice developing player in Tyrese Halbert. Guess what? We have made the playoffs in 16 years. I don't have time for young and developing. Let's get DeMontis Sabonis in here and at least make the play-in for God's sake. Do you get what I'm saying here? I think there are a few teams in professional sports that have been so bad for so long or championship-less for so long that they just operate a little differently. The Wolves are in that category. I think the Brewers are, and I think that should change how they handle this season and next. We'll talk more about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.